in old school games. Life is cheap. I said in old school games. Life is cheap. Bring a pole, oil, and rope. Or go down in a heap. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Down in a Heap podcast. I'm your host Rob, podcasting to you live from beautiful northeast Minneapolis. So today is the big day. It's a discussion about critical hits and fumbles in D&D. And when I say that, I'm talking specifically about, I guess, what I might do to quote-unquote fix critical hits and fumbles or make it something I think would be a better way to do it in a in a BX OSE game. Um, or you could extend that out to other classic versions, OSR versions of the game like Swords and Wizardry or OD&D or maybe even like 1st edition AD&D or 2nd edition AD&D. So before I get to the calls I've had on critical hits, which include calls from Kevin from Red Caps, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Joe from Hindsightless, Anthony from Casting Shadows, and Daniel from Bandit's Keep, I'm going to go over my uh, a list of the kind of like concerns or um, objections or just what I see as potential pitfalls or whatever <laughs> things that I that don't really work so well for me in the traditional critical hit system that's kind of the default used in in many house ruled games and if I have time if this doesn't go <laughs> to like uh, an hour all by itself I've got a bunch of other calls that don't pertain to critical hits so if I have time I'll get to those if not They'll drop in the next episode. Oh, and that was uh, Blue Ray Otis with his bluesy rendition of my theme song. Thanks, Ray. From Blundergrounds, of course. You all know that. So listeners to the show have probably heard me blabber about critical hits off and on. Maybe even, I think I did a, uh, an episode called, like, an episode about swingy mechanics and D&D and other games and stuff, and I think I use critical hits as an example of swinginess and stuff. Um, that might have been like a year ago or something. So I've definitely talked about this before, but thought it was maybe high time I actually devoted an entire episode to critical hits and fumbles in like basic D&D OSR games and stuff like that and whether or not they work for me, and if not, which, I don't know, I guess I'd, I'm fine with using them, it's not like it's a, a deal breaker for me, and then sometimes it can make the game more entertaining, or at least more uh, exciting, which I think most people would say is a good thing, but it can also, if, <laughs> if the dice go against you, it can be a little bit of a, a backbreaker too, especially if you're continually unlucky and you lose character after character after character um in in part due to like a inopportune fumble or critical hit from a monster that 
takes you out and stuff. So they can be, they can be fun and they can be fun for a while and <laughs> until your character is uh, dead again or some kind of broken mass that has a real challenge even going adventuring any longer because of all the injuries that they've suffered. So what I'm, these are kind of the assumptions I'm going with that we're talking about traditional, like long-term campaigns or at least long form campaigns. We're not talking about one shots. We're not talking about like a three episode, uh, quickie campaign or something for something like those, uh, Crits are fine. In fact, I think they're almost better to use games that have stuff like that in a one-shot because you're really going for, like, high-octane, you know, cram as much excitement as you possibly can into one setting, or one session, I mean. So I think uh, for for one-shots, it's almost preferable to have a game that uses critical hits and crazy tables and stuff. I think DCC, Dungeon Crawl Classics, is perhaps the perfect one-shot game. We're also talking about what I consider the bog-standard critical hit system in general. So we're talking about nat 20s indicating a critical hit really for any creature in the game, and a nat 1 indicating a fumble. And Typically, in this kind of bog-standard crit system, a critical does double damage. Alternatively, people might have their own specific injury tables or something like that um, that they roll on after they after a crit's indicated, or a, and a specific fumble chart or something that they roll on. So those are slightly different animals. So my objections to this kind of system are number one, just the fact that the probability is the same regardless of the combatant skill level. You could be, like I cited before, the untrained stable hand picking up a sword that he's never wielded before and has the same chances to crit 5% rolling a 20 or fumble 5% 5% rolling a 1 as the best sword in the land. The 11th level fighter, the legendary swordsman, um, they've got the, the same probabilities of hitting and fumbling in this system. Um, my problem with just doing like double damage is that can be a big letdown too. So you get this adrenaline rush of ro- rolling a 20 and then you drop a 2 for the damage die with your sword. Doubled to four. Whoop-dee-doo. <laughs> so you, you have this, like, letdown. Whereas, you know, the uh, the henchman you're with uh, rolls a 17, still good enough to hit that, uh, that ogre or something. And with his spear, he does six points of damage. So the non-critical from the zero-level retainer does more damage than the critical from the PC. So that's just kind of, I don't know, seems a little bit bleh. 
Uh, and if you do use specific injury critical hit tables and stuff like that, yeah, those can be really cool. It can add a lot of color to the to the combats, a lot of uncertainty, like, ooh, am I am I gonna chop their arm off? Am I gonna uh take an eye out? Am I going to crush their skull? Am I gonna decapitate them or disembowel them or or what? Um but they do become a potential burden and morale stinker. Uh for the players over time because if with these probabilities it's almost certain that the the player characters eventually are going to suffer suffer critical hits and if you have insta kills or lost limbs or whatever on your charts it's eventually going to happen and if everyone's cool with that that's fine it can actually make i think a really fun cool game if you use stuff like that, but you just have to have people understanding that this is kind of an eventuality. Eventually, you're going to have a PC taken out by what you'd otherwise consider an inconsequential monster, or just taken out by a single die roll when you normally wouldn't, um, you know, consider something a threat. Oh, it's an orc with a spear. I know I've got 20 hit points, there's no way he can kill me. Oh, he rolled a critical, now all bets are off. And that can be really exciting and mean that all combat's a little uncertain, so the, the player players should be a little wary. Those who live by the sword die by the sword, right? So it's kind of a good and bad kind of thing. But, it's, um, but it is something that eventually can... Uh, take characters out or make them so that they almost can't adventure anymore. If you have both legs lopped off or both arms lopped off, <laughs> short of miraculous magic, your character pretty much has to retire. Or, you know, obviously if they're decapitated or whatever. Uh, and my, my main objection, though, or one of the objections I have is in a system like BX D&D, which is what I'm using as like kind of the baseline here. It's a very abstract combat system. It's 10-second rounds. It's kind of an abstract hit points measure of your fighting ability, your luck, your actual stamina. I mean, is this like meat hits you're taking, or is it just you parrying blows or avoiding damage through your skill and luck? and daring do um and there's no like specific hit locations or anything so you're taking this really and even like the way you recover hit points is very abstract so you're taking this really abstract game system combat system and applying very specific ideas of critical hits the idea of a critical hit almost means that your um, you're bypassing their skill or something. I don't know. It's um, it just doesn't seem to be a good match to me having something specific like critical hits and fumbles in a very abstract game system. So I think it's I think these systems work best in games that are designed with them in mind. 
And as you'll note, um, I don't think there was a, like, critical hits in the rules, even as optional rules, until 2nd edition AD&D, so maybe someone can correct me on that. But they're very common house rules. I'll quit uh, blabbering on and on, and I see I've gotten a couple <laughs> updates that more messages are coming in, so maybe there'll be even more to tack on here, um, more thoughts about critical hits, and without further ado, let's go to those calls. Hey Rob, I'm really interested to hear your future episode on criticals and fumbles and what have you. Um, I don't think criticals are about realism in any way, or the want to slay a monster in a single hit. Um, I think criticals, quite simply, are just about that dopamine hit that a group of friends can have when they're in the middle of a big fight and one of them rolls that 20 and they all know, oh, we're going to get extra damage this turn. And it just adds that extra little bit to an encounter. Um, it just adds that moment of, oh, I've done something cool. And it really doesn't have any need to be realistic, really. It's it's not about that. It's, it's just this mechanic that gives everybody a little bit of joy um, because they rolled really well, right? Now, when it comes to fumbles, um, I can see definitely a case for not having them. Um, it can be... It all really depends on how the, the DM or the GM uses them. Um, it can be very punitive against the players at times. Um, so I, I can definitely see an, an argument not to use fumbles. I tend to use them in extreme situations where it really makes sense. Um, where the player had tried to do something... They rolled a one, and they now get the most extreme version of of what could go wrong. Um, but I can definitely see why somebody wouldn't want that. I do think, in regardless of whether you're using criticals or fumbles, um, I do think it needs to be used equally between the monsters and the players. I think uh, if you can benefit from it, so should the monsters, and if you can fail from it, so should the monsters. I'll add on, there's other ways I think you could do uh, critical hits and, and, and fumbles um, from a mechanic standpoint of sure you can do a critical hit or take a fumble um, and instead of some crazy bad things happening, start wrapping it into a um, some sort of a equipment-based thing where, you know, if you get the if you get a critical hit, sure you do uh, double damage, but you've now taken a notch on your sword. Um, and after so many notches, that sword needs to be repaired or it breaks. Um, if you take a critical fumble, uh, you know, your your armor has been reduced by, you know, one point of AC or something like that. Um, using that rather than uh, some of the other narrative items, I think might make it more mechanically acceptable to some. And as I've been reading through my copy of the fantasy trip and, and wishing I could, could get a game of that up and running, um, I'm really liking the way that they handle uh, magic in that game where the magic user 
when they cast spells, they actually damage their own health in doing so. And I think you could have the critical hits also work for magic users in that same sort of a way where sure you do d double damage to whomever um, you, you're, you're casting the spell on, uh, but it also does double the damage to you. You've used more energy um, to, uh, to cast that spell and it's, it's drained your life even more. So it's, it's a mechanic obviously doesn't work with D&D, &D, but in, in the fantasy trip works really, really well. Anyhow, those are some of my thoughts on it. Can't wait to hear your episode. Take care. And that was Kevin from the Red Caps podcast. Thanks for the call and your thoughts on crits and fumbles. I appreciate it. I agree that fa the f <laughs> fantasy trip looks really cool. I I have the big box set. I'd love to play it sometime. It does seem like a game that would lend itself much better to playing in person or if you're skilled with a, like a virtual tabletop, which I'm not. Uh, because it seems to work under the assumption that you're using minis and a grid and stuff like that, and there's a lot more tactical stuff like that going on. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that looks like a pretty cool game, and I hope to try it at some point. I see what you're saying about, like, the dopamine hit and stuff, seeing the 20 come up or the 1 come up or something, and that's... Uh, um, an indicator that, oh, something special is going to happen here. Unless, like, you use just straight double damage, which means a lot of times nothing special is really happening. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, the idea of whether or not uh, player characters should suffer criticals or, uh, and if, you know, fumbles should apply to both sides and stuff, the yin and yang kind of thing, I agree. I think that if uh, what's what's good for the goose is good for the gander, typically if the if the player characters the players want to do something, um, especially if it's something that kind of is over and above the rules or something, then I think they should accept the fact that the monsters from time to time might be able to do it as well. So I think if you're using a critical hit system and a fumble system, <clears throat> it should apply to both sides and. Uh, and I do think that if you're using criticals, it kind of makes sense to use fumbles. I don't know if it's absolutely necessary. I think uh, you could certainly... Um, I think fumbles are less interesting than critical hits in a game. And like you say, can depending on how they're applied, can feel a little bit more punitive. Um, and especially feels a little bit awkward when you're... You know, you've got a fourth-level fighter or something, and he's still fumbling 5% of the time. Um, so unless you have some kind of chart where um, where the character's level or attack bonus or something like that comes into play so that even though the chance of a fumble still is indicated by a 1, but the actual fumble is like less severe for higher level characters or maybe nothing even happens depending on what they roll or more egregious effects can uh, can happen to someone that's untrained um so yeah it all depends really on how you're you're working with these things um and yeah the idea of of having equipment damage and stuff like that occurring on fumbles and even potentially on crits your notch sword idea that that could be 
a pretty fun approach. I, I like the idea in theory of equipment degradation. Uh, when I've tried to use it at the table, it seems like it often is forgotten, not just by the players, but by me. And tracking those types of things relies upon the players thinking it's interesting and fun to track. Um, and at least with my group, that seems like a pretty big ask. Even getting them to get on board with encumbrance uh, systems, re regardless of whether they're really specific or really abstract, even that a lot of times is kind of, I think, forgotten after a few uh, sessions, unless the DM is just constantly um, talking about it and and having it come into play and stuff, in which case you almost, I start feeling like I'm almost nagging <laughs> the players into doing something that they really don't want to. So I don't know. It could be you just need buy-in and, and people really getting on board with it, and it could be interesting and it could add a little bit of a realism, like, well, I'm, I'm using the same suit of plate mail <laughs> that I've been using for, you know, 40 different engagements, and there's, I've never had to do any kind of upkeep or maintenance on it. Um, so, so uh, but, you know, the, these are abstract games. They're, like you say, they're, they're not really meant to be realistic or simulations, um, but, uh, Little reminders once in a while, I think, can add to the game. Little reminders of of uh, verisimilitude can be useful. Uh, so let's move on to the next set of calls. This from Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Go ahead, destroy me if you can. Hey Rob, so reference critical hits. I definitely think it's got a little bit to do with, with taking the monsters down with one shot and a lot to do with the fun of the randomness, a la Rollmaster. You, you know, it's always, Rollmaster was always, you know, you played it. The, the great thing is always, oh, what are we going to roll on the table? Which cool effect is it going to be, right? Honestly, if you take away the cool effects and it's just, yeah, critical hits, double damage. Okay, it's not that big of a deal, you know, and I could, I could give or take it, but I do like the randomness that systems like Rollmaster bring to it. I, that's just me though. The bigger question to me though, I think, and that you kind of touched on and skirted around is a length of combats and the critical hits help with that. So a wise man, namely Colin Green of Spike Pit podcast, once stated that the ideal combat is three to five rounds. And at least I think Colin's the one that said that. And, you know, I, I think if we want to keep within that three to five round sweet spot, then that's where critical hits can help. Of course, for them to help in that situation, you need to have a lot, they need to happen pretty often, huh? So maybe that, maybe that doesn't tie in with critical hits, but you mentioned combat length, and, you know, combat gets to be a drag. So maybe the ideal length of combat's outside the wheelhouse of this discussion. But I think critical hits do play into that, because obviously critical hits speed up combat when you decisively put a foe down with a critical hit. 
So does the three to five length ideal round or ideal combat length fit into this discussion? Hey, thanks for the calls, Jason. I appreciate it, as always. And that is a good question. Combat length is, I think, a vital consideration. But it's, to me, it's more about the actual time length. It's not necessarily about how many rounds go by. I mean... And, and long combats, you know, something that goes for an hour, they can, they can be exciting. It's not like it's automatically boring if it's longer. What's boring, I think, is just the empty, like a bunch of empty exchanges where nothing really is happening in the game. You're just like sitting there, rock'em, sock'em, robots, not landing any blows. And uh, yeah, critical hits can certainly get you to the end of the combat more quickly. And the, but my question is, how quick do you want it to end? Um, and I've got one potential method here that I'll have when I go about talking about how, you know, just options that might be more palatable. The specific injury thing, like Rollmaster and stuff, yeah, that <laughs> that is fun. I mean, the whole like broken pelvis kind of thing that Tim Shorts talk has talked about, um, and that game is, I mean, it's specifically designed with critical hits in mind, uh, and I think it's one of the better games um, that incorporate like what I what I'd think would be like realistic, quote unquote combat with arms and uh, armor and stuff like that. I mean, in that game system, there's 20 different armor types, and the heavier armor, you typically actually get hit more often. It's kind of a reverse of D&D. But when you're hit, you take typically less damage, and you're much less likely to be suffer critical hits. Whereas if you're running around in your underoos, uh, you're not going to get hit as often, but when you do, you're always going to be taking more damage and criticals happen far more often. And in that gray area in between the the tin can knight and the underoos, leather uh, kind of brings you a little closer so you're still not hit very often and your crits aren't as severe as the underoos, but uh, but you're still taking punishment much more than with metal armor. So chain and stuff works you closer and closer. You're getting hit more often, not taking as much damage, etc. And each weapon has a specific um, chart and stuff. So very realistic, very um, engaging. Also pretty uh, <laughs> pretty clumsy at the table if you have a bunch of different combatants using different uh, weapons and then each weapon has a critical hit table based on if it's a slashing or piercing or crushing and you have different yeah all that stuff I mean it's good and bad it's it's very flavorful very involved and also time-consuming and crunchy, and there's a potential trade-off there. So what I like about D&D is that it's, 
are like basic D&D, BX, OSE, Swords and Wizardry. It's all very fast, um, playability-wise. You're not having to consult a bunch of charts. You're not having to um, you know, have rolls beyond the damage roll and stuff for critical hits and all this stuff. And uh, typically working with very low hit point totals, uh, especially to begin with. And, and they're severely ramped down, even at upper ends, than uh, the modern games. So you don't have, like, tons and tons of hit points typically that you're dealing with so I don't think critical hits and having these you know um, ways to to uh, blow up bags of hit points are nearly as vital as games that do have the high hit point totals and stuff in which case they often do have methods to to deal with that so I, I don't know yeah I think I think combat length is important. I don't know if I'd say three to five rounds is the ideal. It might be. I mean, that that's probably what my games often turn on, are <laughs> because mine are usually low-level games with uh, characters without many hit points fighting monsters without that many hit points. So they, they do tend to, to finish pretty quickly. Uh, now, if I ever did get to uh, higher levels, I don't know if that would, you know, like 6th, 7th level, I don't know if that model would hold true any longer. Um, I suppose you, your magic spells are going to be dealing more damage. Uh, characters presumably would start having magic items and stuff, uh, but, you know, if they've got a plus two sword, that's only an extra two points per hit, and if instead of fighting four hit point goblins, you're now fighting 15 hit point bugbears, um, I think your, I think your combats are going to get longer and longer. Uh, so yeah, maybe critical hits are more important to use if you're playing higher level games and stuff, but, uh, yeah, let's keep caught, keep the conversation rolling here with Joe from Hindsightless. Yo, Rob, so I'm glad you asked about why I like critical hits in my game. And I would I would point you back to a couple episodes ago of your own show where you were talking about how you were playing in a game that had critical hits and everybody at the table was all excited and you said they were kind of fun too. That's exactly why. Like the loudest, spontaneous cheers I've ever heard around a gaming table are when a PC gets the perfect crit at the perfect time and it's just amazing. The loudest groans are when... The bad guys crit the PCs at the worst time and everyone's like, no, it adds that element of fun and it's just, it's just cool, man. You've probably already heard it, but the Pink Phantom does an amazing episode on critical hits. Like, yeah, man, I don't know. I think they're, <laughs> they add a lot of fun, so I don't see a problem with them. Uh, I haven't found that they happen to the PCs more than the, more than the monsters. Anyway, man, that's just me. Peace out. Hey, thanks, Joe. I appreciate the call and your thoughts and feelings on critical hits. And I totally get where you're coming from. That that excitement that you get from rolling that or having the, the oh no, let down when the, the monsters roll crits definitely gets your attention at the table and revs things up a little bit. And uh, I don't know when... 
when they're bad, I guess for me, what's happened is you just get on a bad streak of luck and you have your character taken out by a critical hit and you start over and your first level and everyone else's third level or something. And then you get taken out again and <laughs> you just start getting on this hamster wheel where you're, uh, where you're continually behind the eight ball and you're playing catch up and, uh, and you're less and less effective because your character keeps dying or something. And critical hits can certainly exacerbate that situation. The critical hit giveth and it taketh away. And if you're using a system where the probability is the same, where there's no uh, skill involved, there's no competency level or incompetency level, you're just nat 20, nat 1, eventually it's going to get you. And uh, especially if you're using you know, something where there's like an insta-kill or something, it's going to get you. And that's, that's totally cool if everyone wants that game. Uh, where combat's really deadly, and you never know what you're going to get, uh, so you you really are cautious about entering into any fight, um, that, that certainly sets up a certain dynamic and expectation in combat, and it can be fun. I, don't, I just don't know if it fits that well in a classic D&D game, where it's really abstract, where the conceit is that your characters get better and better uh, rather than degrading over time um, so it depends on the critical hit system I think if you're using something with specific injuries and stuff and your characters are just getting worse and worse and worse <laughs> as the game progresses because you've suffered all these slings and arrows and now have a, a bum leg and a, a missing hand and uh, your nose is cut off and um, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it could be fun, uh, and it could be a little bit of a downer, too. So, uh, And this whole idea of whether they, they happen or not, that was part of the Pink Phantoms thing on Critical Hits, and it totally depends on your play style. If, if, the, if the game, if the Critical Hits system is hard and fast like I've outlined, crits happen on a 20, fumbles happen on a 1, it's a mathematical certainty that if you use more monsters than player characters, that the player characters are going to suffer more critical hits. That's just the way it is. And that's, it depends on how you run games. If you run games with more balanced encounters where, nope, I'm, I'm not going to throw 16 orcs at a four-player uh, first-level party because they'll get wiped out, well, yeah, then you will never have that situation. But if you run it more uh, in in a, a setting where the verisimilitude matters, you you don't walk out in the wilderness knowing that you're never going to face um, um, greater odds or something like that. Yeah, okay, you're not going to suffer more critical hits than the monsters. But you know, if you're facing a pack of eighteen giant rats and three of them are attacking you they're three times more likely to get a critical hit than you are. Um, so I think they happen more to the player characters in the games that I play because both Keith and I tend to throw packs of monsters at, at, creature, at uh, the characters. It, that happens more often than the characters f 
facing down one lone monster. Um, it's usually flip-flopped. And I think in most scenarios, that's how it is. If you look at classic dungeon adventures, there are almost always far more monsters in encounters than there are player characters. So if you throw critical hits into it, I think, I think mathematically they're just going to happen more often to the player characters than they will to the monsters. But I could be wrong. All right, let's see what Anthony from Casting Shadows has to say. Hey Rob, this is Anthony from Casting Shadows calling in about your question, asking us to talk about critical hits. Um, way back in the beginning, I grew interested in hit locations and critical hits. I think partly because of a morbid curiosity. It was kind of fun to see what they might be. But also because it it added something to the experience that the pure abstraction of hit points lacked for me. So it was a step away from abstraction toward a certain kind of specificity that I was learning that I appreciated. Now, looking back, that's definitely a, a key part of it. But the other part is that it maintains a thread of description throughout combat, even a very long combat. We know where we hit, we know how hard we hit, and we know what kind of special effects might spin from that, which is one of the reasons why I like Mithras so much. And that was Anthony from the Casting Shadows podcast. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And as I understand, I think Mithras is an outgrowth of the RuneQuest system, which is BRP uh, system. So that, yeah, has, as I understand it, I've never played RuneQuest. I own the Avalon Hill edition. And in that, you're rolling um, a hit location as a target each time you make an attack and stuff. And each hit location has a separate hit point total and a separate armor rating and stuff. So it is very precise. And uh, I think yeah would have a totally different combat experience like you say it's it's not like the abstract kind of thing that D D is uh, where you're just making this nebulous hit on something and when there are zero hit points they're out but until they're at zero hit points they're not really suffering any kind of ill effects from their injuries um and stormbringer while it doesn't have hit locations is more along that line too and has like major wound levels so if if you take uh, more than what would normally be half your hit points in one hit it's a major wound and also if you roll critical hit it can uh, inflict a major wound on someone and um, yeah there it's a just a totally different kind of game and I, I i do think that in games that are designed with critical hits in mind that they operate better than games like trying to apply something like critical hits to a game like D&D that wasn't really meant to have them or wasn't designed to have them at least. And sure, you can make it work. You can make it work for your table. It just doesn't seem to work as well. So I think it's in general works better if you want to have critical hits to play a game that was designed to have them in the first place. So presumably Pathfinder, for instance, was designed to have critical hits from the beginning. 
and like 5e D&D has critical hits in it and stuff, and it's designed with that in mind. And BX and OSE wasn't, so adding them on um, can work, and it can also uh, not work, <laughs> not work so well. Um, so it's uh, it all, yeah. It, all of this is about taste, and I feel like I keep repeating myself in all these calls, um, but it's good to hear everything explored, um, and why people like things. It sounds like in general so far, it's more, it's mostly about having more detail added to the abstract system and about the, uh, about the excitement, the adrenaline rush, uh, the memorable things that, uh, happen as a result of the, uh, the big critical hit or the woefully unlucky fumble. Uh, so now we've got a series of calls from Daniel from Bandits Keep Media Empire. And we have a, a late, early morning, last minute calls from Keith from St. Paul. But first, let's talk to Daniel. So I'm listening to Evil Jeff, and of course, brilliant. <laughs> I say that, of course, because the idea of the crit on the exact number to hit is something I've actually used. I think that's a really fun system. I used it in my system where uh, it was a single D20 system where basically the how much you beat the armor class by is how much damage you do. And then I realized that, well, I could either have it be that you just miss if you get the exact number and do zero damage. But then I thought, you know what? Let's make that a critical hit. And that's what I do. And it doesn't do increased damage. I haven't listened to the rest of his calls. Maybe he says something else. It does things like disarm them and stuff like that. And I, we had a great time with it. I, I've got some comments because I made a video about it where people were like, no, it should be a 20, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know why. Because somebody told them it should be a 20 at some point. That's the way it locks in, I guess. But having it be the exact number is pretty cool, in my opinion. <laughs> All right, I'm going to interrupt Daniel here because I just love it when he... <laughs> When he uses his uh, naysayer voice, the <laughs> and he's referring to a call from Evil Jeff from Minions and Musings, where he was positing the idea of maybe you should have the critical hit happen uh, whenever someone rolls exactly what they need to hit, rather than on the nat twenty. But uh, let's go back to Daniel now. So I guess I'll preface this by saying that, and maybe I've said this before, that I mean, I'm not a huge fan of critical hits in games that don't have like bags of hit points like 5e. I feel like in 5e, they're good because you have so many hit points, the critical just allows you to kind of finish combat faster. So it's kind of like maybe get even more criticals for those. But um, I think that what you got there with the idea of the monsters, special monsters having crits, that's kind of a great idea. And kind of already exists, right? Because things like bears, right? If they hit with both their claw attacks, they get a hug. Some creatures, if they hit with the, their thing, then they also get an extra attack. So that's already kind of there, right? It's not a roll of natural 20. It's something different. And I think that could work out really well. You could do the same thing with fighters. You know, I think it's a good idea to give a fighter an extra hit if they or an extra attack if they if they hit or something like that. I, I don't know. I, I think, or do a crit rather, because I think you're right. I think fighters get the, the short end of the stick, so to speak. 
And of course, I know that you probably don't have a problem with this, but like mechanically though, how do you explain why an elf doesn't get a critical, or maybe you would allow that, but I don't think so. I think you're saying no, or a dwarf, right? Aren't they just fighters? But I guess what you could do is say only certain weapons crit and then make those the weapons those guys can't use. Although I don't know if elves are restricted at all in uh, BX, but I know like a dwarf can't use a two-handed sword, right? So you could say things like two-handed swords and pole arms can crit. And then that just by default makes it so that, well, the fighter and the thief, I guess, those are the only two that can crit. Yeah, having fighters be able to get like another attack when they, in addition to having a critical, when they roll a 20, I think is a good way to differentiate them. And you could extend that to dwarves and elves and halflings as well. But in my house rules, I have it, uh, I don't have critical hits, but I give fighters an extra attack when they roll a 20 because that's like one of their class abilities, like a dwarf's class abilities is uh, finding traps, are more likely to find traps and improvision and uh, better saving throws and stuff like that. So it's just something, a bone to throw to fighters. If I was incorporating this into critical hits, I'd probably have dwarves operate the same way or something. And maybe... uh, Maybe halflings and elves because they have a D6 hit points rather than a D8, which indicates that maybe they're not as martially inclined. Um, Maybe they'd get those benefits at a slightly uh, reduced rate. So maybe at a different level they'd get those that benefit. Um, but yeah, uh, Daniel's got some more things though. He's uh, chimed in again with some crit hit thoughts. Hey Rob, Daniel from Bands keep calling it about criticals. So in my game, you know, in the OD&D hack that I'm making, there are criticals, but they are only on the fantastic combat, the stuff where it's like hero versus dragon, that kind of thing. Uh, it does uh, double damage, so double dice, and it uh, there's also a fumble, so the double six basically just roll two sixes, so two sixes, which is far harder to nail than a, than a 20, or two ones uh, do affect the combat, why did I do it? I think that because in that kind of combat, I wanted it to be epic, and I feel like that kind of stuff is epic. And it's actually played out to be pretty epic in the games. Uh, critical fails in there uh, involve a broken weapon or a dropped weapon, depending on if it's magic or not. So that's how I handle that. Um, I think you make a lot of great points, though, about uh, injuries and stuff you're talking about now. I did that in one of my campaigns. I had an injury chart. But in that game, the injury chart was instead of dying, basically. If you were going to die, because zero hit points you die, or negative you die, you could roll on this chart and possibly survive but have an injury. Also, in almost all cases, uh, there were ways, especially at higher levels, to recover from it, right? So if you broke a leg, there was a certain amount of time that you had to spend, you know, healing. If you got your arm cut off, there were restoration spells and stuff available, but they were very high level and nobody ever got that high. So, And honestly, those were such rare occasions that that happened that uh, it really wasn't an issue. Most of the people, like broke their hand, broke their arm, couldn't use a shield, got slowed down. And then they would put the, the character in, you know, back at camp, basically for, you know, two, three weeks of game time while they explored with their other characters. So it worked out pretty well, but I will say that the players didn't love it, so I haven't really used it since. Wow, actually, you just said something that was very interesting. Critical hit is a hit that brings a monster down. What if, when you roll the natural 20, you roll your damage, and then you double it, and if that would kill the monster, then it does, and if not, you just do regular damage. 
So it just allows you to basically take it out one round earlier because you rolled really well. That could be interesting. I don't think I'd ever use it, but that just made me think that when you said it's a hit that takes the monster out. So, yeah. I'm sure most of you listen to Daniel's content, whether it's his podcast or his actual plays or YouTube content. It's all under the Bandit's Keep headliner. But he's talking about his hack of OD&D plus chainmail. I think he's calling it Unchained. So it's using D6s for combat and instead of the... Well, I suppose in OD&D, wasn't it called the Alternative Combat System? <laughs> Which has become the norm ever since, rolling D20s and stuff. But yeah, let's talk about probabilities. Because, so in the, in the bog standard I'm talking about, a fumble happens on a 1 and a crit happens on a 20. So you've got 5% of each possibility on any one attack. So 10% of the attacks that anyone makes are either going to be a crit or a fumble. So if you've got your standard four-player, four-PC party, and say they've got a retainer tagging along with them, so you've got five people on, in the party, and let's say they're just fi fighting five monsters, that's ten combatants. So on average, every other round, there's going to be a crit or a fumble. So that does happen quite a bit. So if you're, say you're using uh, Colin, if, if Jason's right and Colin posited this as a three to five round ideal or whatever, or someone did, or if that's just typically what your combats go, you're going to have anywhere from one to three, probably, fumbles or critical hits that happen each engagement. I don't know if that's too many or too few, depending on your point of view. In Daniels, where it ha it would happen essentially half as as often, because it would be what uh, one out of thirty six die rolls would be snake eyes or box cars. So um, yeah, so it'd be about half the likelihood. I don't know. It it's all your point of view, but just be aware that's that's how often they happen. So while it seems like an you know, oh, well, it's only on a crit, or it's only on a 20, it's only on a 1, those do come up quite a bit in games. Um, so if you have, if your game typically has, you know, three combat encounters or something per game session, you're almost certainly going to have some crits happen every game and some fumbles happen every game. And that might be a good thing because... It seems like everyone that's called in seems like they're kind of a proponent of critical hits uh, as being exciting and stuff like that. But if you do have the possibility of insta-kills or debilitating injuries on these injury charts, it just goes to show it's going to happen eventually. Uh, and that can, again, your point of view, that can be fun. But as Daniel said uh, when he was using them, it was something that the, his players didn't really like that much, and that's been my experience too, is it's cool until it happens to your, <laughs> your character, and then it's kind of a downer. And if you're using uh, troop play where you have multiple characters, it's not as bad because, yeah, you, if your character has a broken leg, rather than having the whole party wait around until they're, they're healed, you just have that character hanging out back at the base of operations or whatever, and your other character uh, rolls along with them, um, no big deal. Um, 
but yeah, if they lose a leg and stuff, uh, then they're um, presumably going to have some difficulties. They lose an arm, likewise. And I think you almost have to come up with magical remedies and stuff. Uh, so what maybe cure serious wounds, mends a broken bone instantly or something. Maybe cure light wounds makes a useless limb uh, just kind of mildly debilitated until more naturally, natural healing occurs or something. Uh, regrowing limbs, I don't know. I, I know there are magic spells for that and stuff too, but, uh, and eyes and all that. Uh, that's, that's the thing. Like, so Rollmaster, which used all these specific injuries, also had all these magical spells that healers and, uh, uh, what was the mentalist? Was it lay healer? I can't remember what they were. Uh, but there were two different healing classes in the game and, uh, they had all these things for like stopping blood loss and mending, uh, broken bones and reattaching limbs and regrowing organs and all this stuff. So it was all accounted for, but if you're, if you're not adding those spells into the game or making some kind of equivalency to, all right, cure light wounds automatically stops ongoing blood loss or whatever, um, yeah, you need to come up with ways to deal with these things. What does a potion of healing do or a potion of extra healing or some kind of healing salve or what does first aid do for addressing injuries? And, of course, the other uh, way people use these injury charts is on the other end of the spectrum. So not so much when you're having critical hits, but maybe when you've reached zero hit points and you make a death save, say, to see if your character survives. If you don't use zero hit points, you're dead. A lot of people use uh, some kind of death and dismemberment chart or out-of-action chart or whatever to see if you have any long-term debilitating effects. Oh, you have an attribute score penalty, um, or you have a broken bone or lost an eye or whatever, you know. Uh, you, you now have a a broken leg that never heals right, so your movement is reduced to 90 feet instead of 120. So you, you know, again, you have these things that um, kind of wear down a character, and depending on your point of view, that can be fun or not. All right, now I've got some calls from Keith, so uh, I haven't listened to them yet, so before we get to Keith, I'm going to lay out his method for critical hits in his games. So I've uh, laid this out before, but what Keith uses in our games in Whispered Tales of Gore and elsewhere, <laughs> I don't know if we're still playing Whispered Tales of Gore or if it's evolved to something else. But So Keith uses an exploding die method. So critical hits occur on a 20, fumbles occur on a 1. And uh, fighters have gotten an additional attack when they roll 20 as well as scoring the critical hit. So when you roll the critical hit, you have your the damage that the weapon does. So let's say you're using a spear. You roll a d6 for damage. And then you roll a crit die. And the crit die is one step lower using the DCC dice. So d3, d5, d7, d14, whatever. All those different uh, polyhedrals. It's one step lower than the actual damage die. So in the case of a spear, you'd also be rolling a d5 
And whatever you roll on those, those two dice is how much damage you do. But the crit die, the one that's one step lower, can explode. So if you roll the maximum on that die, you step the die up a chain, one in the chain, and roll again. And that die can crit, and so on, and so on, and so on. So theoretically, it could go forever. But realistically, it doesn't. It's usually one explode. But we've seen, I think, up to three. Um, so you can score a lot of damage with one hit. But so in the example, you'd uh, roll with a spear, you roll a d6 and a d5. Say you roll a three with a d6 and a five on the, on the crit die. So you'd have eight points of damage. You'd step the crit die up to a d6 and roll that and add that to the damage already done. So let's say you roll a four, that would be a total of 12 points of damage then. But if you rolled a six again on that crit die, you maxed it. Uh, it explodes to a d7 and then to a d8 a d10, etc., etc., etc. So it's um, it's a pretty interesting way to do things. Uh, it's it's worked well at the table. It's not involved. You know, it's not like it slows things down. It actually probably speeds combat up a little bit because when you do score a crit, uh, you're getting more damage. But you know, even we had examples that I've cited before on the show where we had really low-level characters take down three Minotaurs because we scored crit hits and they fumbled and were just unlucky. And conversely, that same party ran into a pack of giant rats and almost got their asses kicked because they had a lot more attacks. And they were and they were critting, you know? And even giant rats doing a D3 plus a D2, and that D2 is going to explode uh, to a D3. So, I mean, yeah, low-level bx characters don't have that many hit points so um yeah we we defeated the rats but we had to we used all our spells to heal afterwards and had to just return to base and abort the the delve because we ran into some wandering giant rats <laughs> so yeah it's uh it's a system that that works and uh i'm sure keith will probably i'm, I'm guessing these calls are about critical hits uh, he has recently amended in this campaign that just started, uh, increasing the critical hit range for fighters as they go up in level, kind of addressing one of my bitches about, um, about fighter, about skill having nothing to do with it. So he's increased the crit range. I think at fourth level, I think you start critting on a 19 or a 20 and maybe like seventh or eighth level, which realistically will never reach, but... I think it goes down to an 18, 19, or 20 that you crit on as a fighter. And I don't know if he's going to let, like, dwarves or halflings or whatever crit, too, on an increased range. I can't remember. Uh, but uh, I'll stop with the balloon juice and let's see what Keith actually has to say. Hey, this is Keith calling in. I wanted to call in about the critical hits. You wanted to know why people like them. I guess for me, it's, um, the, you know, the drama of it partially. I mean, this is better on when you're playing face to face on the table, of course, but I just like it when that, uh, you know, that crit die goes clattering across the table and people are wondering if it'll explode. I think that's a good drama moment. I also, um, more from a DM perspective, like, 
the, um, the idea that uh, I like the idea that you know mid-level fighters, like you know fourth, fifth level, a little higher fighters or, or or party members can't just you know rely on their plate and shield and jump into a single combat or with you know five goblins and not having much of an element of risk i think especially with a lot of the kind of hit point hacks that people use and that kind of thing uh you know those kind of mid-level characters even should let go against them they can kind of uh retreat and kind of pull their uh fat out of the fire and i just like having uh combat with swords and spears be sort of a more dangerous thing i also wanted to address a couple of the like kind of criticisms of the critical hits i think people were saying they didn't like the idea that uh you know like a wizard might be attacking somebody with a, a good armor class and only be able to hit them by critical hitting them um you know i don't really think these are like situations that are going to come up a lot where you know magic users getting in a knife fight with somebody at magic plate mail but if they do and you need a way to visualize it maybe um, yeah, the only way that untrained a uh, wizard can actually melee make a hit, melee hit on somebody in magical plate mail is to actually stick their dagger through the isolates or something like that. Um, so that's a way you could look at it or something. I, some people were saying they didn't like the idea that uh, um, anybody can make a critical hit on a twenty just as easily as anyone else, you know, whether or not they're a trained warrior or, you know, just a man at arms or something like that. And I guess that's true, but this just one, like for myself, at least when I DM, um, it's just like one aspect of combat. And I have other things that um, do scale, you know, with levels and, and make fighters better than other people in combat it gives them a chance to have uh, extra attacks sometimes and if you have extra attacks you have a better chance of getting a critical so i think that kind of addresses maybe some of that even too hey thanks for the calls keith all good points as i <laughs> i'd always expect from you uh, i think you one of the things you bring up is a. Uh, a common visual I have trouble with in like a game of D&D if you're not using crits and stuff you have the situation where oh the the PCs get caught by some guards or whatever undertaking some nefarious activity and the and the the two guards have loaded crossbows trained on the the players and just say or on the PCs and just say drop your weapons and the PCs just laugh and say, think to themselves, I've got 16 hit points. There's no way that crossbow can kill me. <laughs> so they go ahead and charge. Um, so, yeah, if you're using critical hits, uh, they instead might pause if uh, the guards have 
crossbows trained on them and have the drop and could just pull the trigger before they can do anything and potentially yeah cause a critical hit that might explode and might kill them so uh that's one aspect i really like about critical hits and um yeah it brings uncertainty and uh, uh makes the character or makes the players think more about rash actions but the game is largely at least if you're using like a dungeon crawl you're almost always going to have combat and it would be a rare adventure or a rare dungeon indeed that you could go through without engaging in combat so while it might be fun to try and get players thinking in a different way uh, or approaching things from a more indirect way from time to time or uh, you know utilizing factions and stuff like that to play one side off against another and using their wits uh, eventually you're going to have to go to the sword or go to the mace or whatever. So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, all of this, there's there's pros and cons. And uh, I just, uh, in a game like d and I'm fine, like I've said, using critical hits. If I had my druthers, I'd rather not... But if I were to come up with a critical hit system that I'd prefer, what would it be? Hmm. Well, can the balloon juice, Rob, because you're probably already over 45 minutes on this episode. And just get on with it. I ask you a final time. Will you allow all these humans to pay for your money? All right, I'm over one hour on the episode, so I am going to try to be brief here as I outline what I would actually do to try and create a critical hit and fumble system for my BX D&D or Old School Essentials game that I'd find palatable. First, I'd define who could score a critical hit and who couldn't, and perhaps who is subject to critical hits and what isn't. So, Getting feedback from all of you, I think it's clear that most people like the dopamine hit. They like the having a clear indicator of what is a critical hit or fumble. So, I and you probably want to have it occurring with some frequency. If if part of the appeal is the charge, the thrill that you get, you want to have it happen with some kind of regularity. I think. So, okay, let's stick with the nat twenty and the nat natural one for indicators for critical hits and fumbles. I would weed out some of the potential uh, creatures that could score them, though, because I think it is a little bit ridiculous, say, for a giant rat being able to score a critical hit on a fire giant, or um, a zero-level stable hand getting a critical hit on a dragon or something. So... I would say that zero-level retainers and common folk and stuff and monsters with one or fewer hit dice could not score critical hits. They'd get an automatic hit with a 20, but they could not score a critical hit. But leveled characters and NPCs and monsters with more than one hit die would score a critical hit 
on a natural 20. All right, who's subject to critical hits? I think anything uh, that's living. So I would say that undead are not subject to critical hits. I know you could say, oh, well, you shattered the skull of the skeleton, or, I don't know, pounded it, get the stake into the heart of the vampire or something. I don't know. I, I just think critical hits require more... It seems more feasible on living flesh. So a golem or some kind of living statue or automaton, I don't think they should be subject to critical hits and... Uh, it just it would make them a little more fearsome too, uh, so I I think you'd have to deal with them in the regular kind of way. What would the critical hit do? I wouldn't have it do specific damage, or specific. I'm I'm sorry, specific injuries. If I wanted to use those, I would definitely use those on the other end of uh, the game. So if you were reduced to zero hit points or less. That is where, if I was going to use specific injuries, where I would apply them. So you have some kind of measure of control when you're when you are up and operating and stuff. So if you're getting low on hit points, you can run away and stuff. But if if it's all part of a critical hit and you're just like, oh, I uh, I was surprised by these bandits and they fired their arrows, one of them hit me, and it did a critical that took my eye out and kills me instantly. Uh, I don't know, there's not a whole lot of, as much player control there as there would be in just like, well, you stayed in the combat until you got to zero hit points, so... uh, So if I were to use specific lingering injuries and stuff like that or attribute loss i would apply it after the character has been knocked out of action and stuff so instead i'd just say that i'd keep it simple because the this is a simple game bx ose i don't want to have the the critical hit system be the most complicated thing in, in the game so i just say it does maximum damage easy peasy you roll a nat 20 with your sword attack, it does eight points of damage. Uh, that takes away the potential of the anti-climax if you're just doing straight double damage. It caps the potential. And we're honestly, we're dealing with really a low hit point total game in general. Um, even some someone like a fifth level fighter on average has 25 to 30 hit points. So we're not talking a lot. So if you get hit for eight points of damage, that's probably a quarter of your hit points or more. Um, So that's a significant hit. Um, And to a low-level character, that's potentially death for most, like, first-level characters. So I think that's sufficient. If you wanted to ramp it up, you could certainly say it's maximum damage plus another damage die or something so that you don't have the anti-climax of, you know, it's, you know, I rolled two on my damage die, so I do a whopping four points with my critical hit with my pole arm. Um, fumbles. What would I do for fumbles? I would use some of the charts I've have in the past where I've got one for melee attacks, one for missile attacks, and one for, uh, natural attacks. 
and the missile chart is broken up into whether it's a propelled missile attack like a bow or a crossbow or, and whether it's a thrown weapon or something. And the most, uh, the worst results are on the low end. I think they're all D12 die rolls. And you add your attack bonus for level or hit dice to that. And if you get higher than a 12, there's no fumble. So as you get higher and higher level, you're adding more and more and taking away the really bad possible results and increasing the likelihood of not having any fumbles. So it's it's making the really accomplished warriors much less likely to have a fumble. And if they do, it's not going to be something like, I shoot myself in the foot. Um, the results on the fumble table include things like that, but also more likely are things like... Uh, you stumble, roll a, a, a saving throw or a dexterity check or something, or you're, you miss your next action, or you automatically lose initiative next round, or you've left yourself wide open and one, uh, one opponent that you're engaged with gets a free melee attack against you. Stuff like that. On the missile table, it might be you hit a different target or target a different target, make another roll. Uh, could it be your bowstring breaking could be your ammunition spilling out of your quiver. Um, if you're throwing a weapon, maybe you dislocate your shoulder <laughs> or, or you're unbalanced and fall down. You know, stuff like that. Um, so what would my other critical hit option be? This is the more extreme and the more, more for those who want to have critical hits finish fights faster. And for that, I would just say, if you score a critical hit, if the monster or the, the victim of the critical hit has an equal or lower level or hit dice than the attacker, they're making a save versus death, or they're reduced to zero hit points. Whew. Now that's a critical hit. If they have more hit dice, they take maximum damage and if it's a monster they automatically have the morale broken um i think that would be a quick way to yeah it would be a method for speeding up encounters and it would make critical hits pretty meaningful and with saving throws being uh, part of the me mechanism Higher level or higher hit die foes would be more likely to make that saving throw. So, yeah, makes sense to me. But maybe I'm all wet. What do you think? Let me know. All right, thanks to Ray Otis for your version of my theme song. Thanks to the callers I had. Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Kevin from Red Caps, Joe from Hindsightless, Anthony from Casting Shadows, Daniel from Bandit's Keep, and Keith from St. Paul. And until I talk to you again, don't go down in a heap. My strength has returned. My wounds have healed. Thanks to Ariel's magic. Nothing to it. It's all in the wrist. Time to go, Ariel. Goodbye, Goodbye. Ariel. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.